Today we have Jeff Benny. Jeff Benny, my name is Brock's own name tag. That's good. Jeff, Jeff is a physician and he is one of our new elders at Otter Creek. So we're going to let him tell his story. I know he's done a lot of, me and Jane have done a lot of medical missions and I assume that will be part of your story. It, it will be there. All yes. righty then. Thanks, Jeff. All right. As my name tag says, my name is Jeff Benny. Uh, what I've learned in life, to know my story, to know anyone's story, you re it's really about the people that God has put in lives. And so to tell my story, I'm going to tell a story about the people that God has brought into my lives, my life at certain times. Uh, it's, it starts in Indiana. Uh, those two little uh, green circles you see there are the town of Blooming, uh, sorry, Bloomfield, which is where my dad was from, and the family farm that's on the Wabash River in Carlisle, Indiana. Uh, my dad was the second of two children. Uh, the, his brother is 10 years older than he was. Uh, the whole, the family were all Scotsmen. They're all coal miners. Uh, they were, if you're Scotsman, you're Presbyterian. That just goes together. So they're in the Presbyterian church. Uh, he grew up 10 years younger than his brother. Uh, my grandfather was a coal miner from age 16. So everyone in that era, eighth grade education, then time to go to work. Uh, coal miner from, eight, from 16 to 36. Uh, so my dad was born when he was about 30. Uh, so at age 36, uh, they were in a deep mine, uh, 5,000 feet in, uh, about 1,000 feet down, 5,000 feet in, there's a cave in. My great-grandfather and my grandfather crawled on their hands and knees along the rail for 5,000 feet. They got out, the rest of the mine collapsed. Uh, at which point, my great-grandfather looked at my grandfather and said, you're not going back to the mines. Uh, and so he had multiple jobs. My grandfather always had multiple jobs, uh, which is one of the Benny family legacies. How many jobs you have? Uh, he literally did everything. Uh, so my dad was a mama's boy uh, by every measure. Uh, he will tell you he only graduated high school because his older brother was the principal. <laughs> and he was the best athlete in his class. So he grew up in Indiana, it's all about basketball. He was a basketball player. He was the basketball star. So he graduated because his brother. Uh, he went to the nearest university, Indiana State, in Terre Haute, uh, where he probably walked, he was 5'10", 280 in the 1950s. 1949. The football coach saw him and said, son, you need to play football. He had never played football. He promptly played football. He may have neglected to go to class. Uh, he flunked out of Indiana State University at a really, really bad time. Because what happened in 1950? Korean War. Korean War. Uh, and so he was about to get drafted. He's a mama's boy. His mom was related to every Democrat in the state of Indiana. She's calling everybody to get him out of the draft. It's not going to happen. So she decides he needs to be in the Coast Guard. He's 5'10", 280. I'm not sure he can swim. 
The Coast Guard looked at him and laughed and said, mm, you don't meet our criteria. She goes, there's this new thing that they just started called the Air Force. They'll take anybody. They took him. So a man who has never been more than 30 miles from home got in the Air Force, was sent to Idaho, Sun Valley, Idaho. Spent three years there and then got the Korean War's going on, spent a year in Japan. Uh, he comes home uh, and says, I'm never going to have any, I'm going to get an education because I'm never going to have anyone tell me what to do again. <laughs> Which is why all 18-year-old boys should go in the Army for two years. He hadn't been married. Yeah, yeah, he hadn't been married yet. Uh, so he, he yeah. yeah. So he, he goes back to Indiana State. Switch to the other side. My mother was the fourth of four. She was the baby. She was raised by her sisters. Her sisters were 12 and 10 years older than she was. Family farm, big family farm. Uh, in Sullivan County, everyone's related to me. Uh, when we would go to church, the church is 100% my relatives. Uh, she went to Indiana State to be a nurse. Uh, she graduated in three years with her BSN, and uh, my parents met. They met on a bet. My dad's roommate tried to date my mom, and she turned him down. And so he bet my dad 25 bucks. He could not get a date. They were married three months later. Picture, it's in Terre Haute. There's a picture of my dad who, with his baby face in the uh, Air Force, picture of their wedding. Got married on the family farm. Uh, also, true story. They'd only been met. They only knew each other three months. Uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, whispered in her ear before she came down the aisle, "You don't have to do this." <laughs> uh, I think they were worried. I don't know if they were because they didn't know each other long enough, or because he was Presbyterian and not Church of Christ. Third Church of Christ, uh, all the way back. Uh, there are a wool. Part of their family's Wolf, Northern Church of Christ, all the way back to the beginning of the Restoration. Uh, they were preachers throughout Ohio and Indiana. So they were really worried he was not Church of Christ. They was Presbyterian. As, as we all know, you know, only Church of Christ going to heaven, everyone else. So they were really worried about that. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, they, so they knew each other for three months. And my dad made the genius decision that you should take this little Indiana farm girl and move her to Detroit. His first job was teaching school in Detroit, like downtown Detroit. He said she cried for a year, every night. Uh, so he decided to move closer to home. Uh, so they moved to Ohio. They moved to this little city down there, a circle called Middletown. Uh, and then, uh, that's where, while we're in Middletown, we have this happy little family here. This is Sunday morning in the 1960s. You guys all remember it. I'm all dressed up. I'm the, I'm the youngest one there. Got my bow tie on. I'm ready to rock in church. That's my older brother, Joe. Uh, there were two of us. We're uh, exactly two years and one day apart. Uh, so we were, we were there. My dad's working on his doctorate. Uh, he gets a new job near Mansfield in Ashland. Uh, the thing you need to know about Ashland is it's Amish country and there's a huge university there that's Quaker. Uh, it's 1960s. You can imagine the Quaker University. 
The Quakers really have no standard. There's no ethical, moral standards. You do what feels good with you. That's Quakerism. Uh, it's a interesting place to be. Uh, we, we expanded the family. Uh, my younger brother John showed up, uh, and then uh, this is my sister over here, Betsy. Uh, uh, she she makes an appearance. Uh, a true 1960s. This is how adoption. My sister's adopted. This is how adoption works in the 60s. My dad's playing basketball at the Y. He mentions to the guy in charge of social services for the county that he and his wife are looking, are thinking about adopting. They have three boys. They would really like a girl. That's on Monday. On Wednesday, the guy calls him and goes, hey, one of my clients just had a baby girl. Are you guys serious? And they go, yeah. On Friday, they go before the judge and adopt Betsy. It cost him $25. <laughs> that was the entire adoption in the 1960s. Yeah. That's yeah, not like that now. Yes. And four zeros. Yeah, four zeros. That. Yeah, so her entire cost was $25. And my dad said it's the best $25 he ever spent. Uh, so, so there's now four of us. Uh, we moved back to Middletown. Uh, the thing to understand about Middletown is that it's a steel town. Armco Steel is there. So my dad is assistant superintendent. He's got his doctorate degree by then. Uh, the average person went to either eighth grade or twelfth grade and went to work for Armco Steel. So everyone I grew up with, everyone we grew up with, worked for Armco. The, the dads worked for Armco. Education was not prized in Williamson County, or in uh, Butler County. Uh, we, in fact, uh, has anyone here read the book or saw the movie Hillbilly Elegy? That is, that is Middletown. Uh, I was in high school with his mother. She was in my class. So when you see that story of his mother, that's exactly how it was in Middletown in the 1980s. Uh, it's, st it's still that way in Middletown. Middletown today is the highest heroin per capita use in the United States. Uh, so interesting enough, uh, J.D. Vance, who wrote that book, is now the senator from Ohio. And uh, Vin Jay, who's running for the Republican president, is also from Butler County. The Indian guy running for uh, president. Vin Jay. I thought he dropped that. No, no, he's still running. He's from County. He's also from Butler County. Uh, so it, it is a is not a place that prized education. Uh, my parents very much push education. Uh, there's the Benny family themes right there. Get educated, they can't take that from you. Because they both grew up in the depression where you lost everything. So they say get educated, they can't take it from you. Uh, and the other thing is always who are you helping? Their entire life is who are you helping? Uh, that comes from both sides of the, of the family. They're always helping people. Uh, when my dad's dad passed away and went to his funeral, had a hundred some people come up and say, this is what your granddad did for me. That's awesome. And so, you know, he just constantly, he, he could fix anything, so he would fix stuff for people. So that's the Benny family themes right there. Uh, so gr growing up there, very typical, grow, you know, Northern Church of Christ, three churches in town, white church, black church, and a white church that splintered off the other white church. Uh, because our arch, our arch, we were super conservative. We weren't conservative enough. 
So there was a church that was more conservative. I can't remember the name of that. They met in the house over there in Mayfield. I can't remember. It's, but so I went to uh, church, and, and so very typical, you know, played sports. Uh, we went to summer. We, our churches weren't big enough to have their own summer camp, so we would pool together and went to Fort Hill Christian Youth Camp every summer with everyone around the area. Uh, there's me as a senior. That, that's as rebel as I could get with my hair in the 1970s. It's not below my bottom of my ears, which was my dad's limit. Uh, but, you know, as for, for Church of Christ in the 1970s, that's a rebel right there. <laughs> yep. Uh, of course, we played basketball. Uh, spent a lot of time playing basketball. Came down. Uh, in fact, at, at Fort Hill is when I lear learned about Lipscomb. Uh, like everyone else, I I'm an ancient girl. I have no idea what I want to do in life. Everyone said, you should, you're really smart. You should be a doctor. There are no doctors in our family. Uh, my mom's a nurse, my aunt's a nurse, my cousin was a nurse. I said, maybe I ought to be, okay, if all these people say I should be a doctor, I should go be a doctor. We're at camp and the uh, recruiters for Lipscomb come by and say, oh, our pre-med program has an 85% med school acceptance rate. I said, well, that's probably really good. Remember, this is pre-internet. You can't look this stuff up. <laughs> and so uh, my older brother and I uh, decided to go to Lipscomb. Uh, <coughs> So I show up, David Lipscomb College in those days, not a university, uh, and that's why I meet one of my first mentors. Uh, my faculty, you see, I'm a physics major, uh, because I think if you're a physician, you should, physics isn't physician, right? So every physician should be a physics major. Uh, just to give you a true thing, I had exactly two biology classes. So I managed to be a successful doctor with no biology to speak of. You do not need to know biology. You need to know a lot of chemistry and physics to be a doctor. Uh, Fletcher Shrigley was assigned to me as my uh, faculty advisor and mentor. So that's where I met Fletcher. Uh, and so had a lot, you know, you know, you know how awkward, weird college is. You don't know what, you know, I'm coming out of a little teeny rural high school. 20% of my school goes to college. I'm in college. I don't know if I'm smart enough to go to medical school. Everyone in Monroe told me I should go to, Middletown told me I should go to medical school. They don't know squat. I mean, I think there's three doctors in town. You know, it, uh, and so, met Fletcher. Uh, he managed to get me through uh, college. Uh, I, so I tell Fletcher, I said, since you were in charge of me in my formative years, anything I do wrong is your fault. <laughs> so you're responsible. If it's good, it's your responsible. If you're bad, you're responsible. Uh, so I was a physics major, math, and chemistry minor. Uh, I spent a lot of time in lab. Uh, and I was also a Lipscomb failure. Uh, all these been to Lipscomb, what's the first thing they say on the first day of class? Look to your left, look to your right, your future mate is sitting here. I was a failure. Uh, left Lipscomb, no girlfriend. Uh, I went to uh, Washington University St. Louis for med school. Uh, I was the second Lipscomb student ever to go. Uh, Lucian uh, Simpson was the first. Uh, he's about 10 years in front of me. Uh, it is, uh, Wash U is a very academically rigorous place. Uh, it's in St. Louis. It's uh, about 20% Jewish. Uh, 
where I learned a lot about Judaism. Uh, you see, the hospitals there, Barnes, <coughs> Jewish hospital in St. Louis is the size of Vanderbilt. Barnes is twice as big. So uh, it's a huge medical center. Uh, but 20% of my class was Jewish, so I had everything from Orthodox to Reform to cultural Jews. I learned a lot about Judaism and realized they're a lot like the Church of Christ. There's a lot of rules, written and unwritten. And there's not much difference. Uh, I also learned that Jewish food is horrible. Uh, I had one of my friends that would uh, take me to Jewish restaurants, uh, and they're just going like, this is just not good food. And, uh, and I realized that it probably just a, it was a bad restaurant. It was not necessarily all Jewish food. But uh, so I graduated in 87. I actually uh, stayed in town. Uh, happened to have met somebody at the time. Uh, fine young lady over here. Uh, uh, we met on a Wednesday night at church which is why you should go to church on Wednesday night. What, what church was that? Uh, Isaac McKnight Road Church of Christ. Uh, how, Stanley Ship? Well, well, we'll get into where Stanley was at the time. Uh, he, uh, I will tell you, if you are a single uh, man in the Church of Christ who's at medical school, you meet everyone's cousin, niece, granddaughter. I had more dinner invitations and just granddaughter just would just show up. Um, it's amazing how many meals I showed up to at houses and the, you know, the nieces, the grand, they would just be there. Uh, so I got to meet every single girl in the Church of Christ in St. Louis in the space of a year. Uh, and uh, that was at St. Mary's, which is a Catholic hospital. It's actually the uh, headquarters hospital of the uh, Daughters of Charity, uh, the Sisters of Mercy, SSM. Uh, so I got to hang out with the nuns uh, for a year, and then I went back to Barnes uh, Jewish and Children's, uh, where I finished my residency. I spent about a year at St. Louis Children's doing pediatric anesthesia, uh, and then moved to town. Uh, How did you choose anesthesia? Uh, medical school, you have the third year of medical school, you have to do everything. You have to do every rotation. You find out what you like and you don't like in a really big hurry. Uh, and you kind of figure out, this is, you know, do I want to deal with awake people or not awake people? <laughs> do I want chronic or do I want acute? Uh, I figured really quickly, I want, I want to do acute care. I do not want to get chronic care. I like people. I just don't like to see them in my office like every six weeks. Uh, I like, I am a problem fixer. That's my personality. Anesthesia is great. you got a problem, I can fix it. Uh, and so... Uh, it's, also, it's also more scheduled, and so I, I'd have better control, I thought, of my schedule. Turns out not to be quite as, as much, but uh, so that's why I picked anesthesia. It's basically internal medicine, just really, really fast. Uh, so church journey. This is the first church I remember going to. Uh, this is the Oakland Church of Christ in Sullivan County. I don't know why they call it Oakland. It's actually in the city limits of Carlisle. But I think there, were, there probably was a Carlisle Church of Christ. Uh, this church was my great-great-great-grandparents built. Uh, mm -hmm. This is on the, far, the road that all the farms are on. Mm -hmm. This is like a mile and a half down the road from my grandparents' house. You could walk there easily. Uh, as you can tell, no air conditioning. It had a heater, and it had outhouses. Uh, that's the first church I can remember going to. Uh, 
and everyone in church was related to me at this church. Uh, my second cousin was the song leader who couldn't sing. <laughs> She'll start laughing. <laughs> my brother does a dead-on imitation of him. Uh, uh, my, we had a, they had uh, circuit preachers, so there's a different preacher each week, but it was the same, you know, first, second, third, and fourth. Uh, as children, we hoped that we were on the fourth Wednesday, or sorry, the fourth Sunday of the month, because that's when there was no Sunday night service. Because otherwise the preacher would come, he'd do Sunday morning, he'd come to my grandparents' house and eat, and then he'd preach Sunday night. So we knew that we couldn't play, we'd have to go back to church on Sunday night. Uh, on the fourth, there was no preacher, so therefore there was no Sunday night service. So it took me like forever until I was an adult to realize that there was actually a schedule. We'd just show up and they'd say if it was Sunday night or not. So, uh, but every, literally everyone in this church uh, was related to us. Uh, and then uh, the, uh, the next church I really remember is uh, Benito Drive Church of Christ in Middletown. Uh, again, that's the, that's the white, everyone who goes to church with us besides us was from Kentucky. They all worked for ARCO. Uh, it, so it was very, very, very arch conservative, uh, very legalistic. Uh, they were great people. They would do anything for you. They just had a very distinct uh, rules. Uh, and so when I came to Lipscomb, I ended up at Ashwood Church of Christ, which is where Rubel Shelley was, the polar opposite of my church growing up. Uh, well, polar opposite in Church of Christ terms. In the great schema of religion in the United States, we're still pretty close. But in the Church of Christ, we're polar opposite. Uh, great place. Got to meet Rubel. Got to you know study it under Rubel. It was great. Uh, the other, uh, on Wednesday nights, I would come to Otter Creek because they had singing. And actually the real reason was most of the girls at Lipscomb would come to Otter Creek. So all the boys who did not have girlfriends decided we should go to Otter Creek. That's where I met Buddy Arnold, uh, who subsequently becomes one of my heroes. Uh, very interesting, when I was at Lipscomb, I thought he was a strange guy because I didn't know his whole story. He drove to school every day in an MG midget. He had a beret on and a scarf. And he taught drama. You're going like, it's not till later that I find out, oh, by the way, he was a paratrooper, dropped out of college, paratrooped all the way through World War II, fought in every Pacific island, and then came back home. Uh, you, know, you learn the rest of the story. I, I got to be pretty good friends with him, he and Bernie, and I uh, uh, actually got to take care of him a few times in the hospital. So those are the two, the two people I really met that influenced me heavily, besides Fletcher uh, in the church, is Rubel and, and uh, Buddy. We go to McKnight Road uh, in Indiana, or sorry, in St. Louis. Uh, there we, we have a youth and family minister by the name of Mike Renzi. Mike is actually the one that married Jane and I. Uh, he did our wedding service. Yeah. He was our youth, and there are several other people in church here that we, we knew there. Uh, there was a very large Lipscomb contingent there, so I felt very comfortable. It was very friendly. We have great friends from there. Uh, room at the Inn St. Louis. It turns out Jane and I accidentally started that ministry. Uh, came here, 
And my parents were at Woodson Chapel, and so I did a room at the end with them, with my dad. I said, wow, this is a great idea. St. Louis is a lot colder than Nashville. We should do something like that. So I went back, took it back home, talked to Mike, talked to the elders. They said, go ahead and start it. Uh, and so we ended up starting Room at the End in St. Louis. Uh, recruited some of the other churches uh, to help us. Uh, and then that's where Stanley Ship, who was at uh, Mid-County Church of Christ, which, which was a splinter from McKnight Road, we reached out to them and said, hey, can you give us people so we can have enough to do this every week? That ended up healing the rift and the two churches have now merged back into McKnight Road. But uh, so we started and actually, uh, when Charlie Strobel was here just pre-COVID, he was talking about um, Room at the End. And so he was sitting near us and we were talking to him afterwards and uh, he, we mentioned that we were from St. Louis and we had done Room at the End. He goes, he asked, he goes, how did that get started there? He goes, all I know is that they started sending people to my conference. And, I, and we told him the story. It's just random. We did it here, and we just took it there, and it worked. So uh, did, didn't mean to start Room at the End. Well, I did, but that was not that was one of my, not my life's great work. Uh, that was just sounded like a good idea, and it worked. It's still up and running in St. Louis today. It was a good answer to who are you helping. Yes. <laughs> Again, another question. Who, who are you helping? Uh, and uh, irony of ironies, uh, the first night we did Room at the Inn uh, in St. Louis, it was so icy and cold, we couldn't go get the guys. The roads were all closed. Uh, so we thought that there, there are ironies in life. That was one of them. Uh, there's a picture of us uh, getting married in St. Louis. Uh, I, I thought I was marrying a, she described herself as a Christian heathen. Uh, she didn't grow up going to church, uh, in, uh, went to the Christian campus house while she was at the University of Missouri, and that's where she learned about Jesus. It turns out that is not the truth. Uh, well, it is true. Well, it is true. It is a truth. Uh, it turns out that her uh, grand, she is a Craig, like McWayne Craig, like Andrew Craig, who's founded the Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. That's one of her great, great uncles. Uh, her Craig's date back to they are friends of the Campbells at the very very beginning of the restoration movement so she's actually more Church of Christ than I am <laughs> goes all the way back uh, and actually one of her great 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 something or others actually signed the Tennessee Constitution uh, so the Craig the Craig's were very influential in East Tennessee and Tennessee uh, and so our church and then we moved to Na Nashville in 1991. Uh, we come to Otter Creek. Uh, uh, while at Otter Creek, missions deacon, uh, and then uh, became small group deacon by, because we had four small kids who said we're not coming back on Sunday night. Uh, I had four kids, six and down. Uh, and so we started doing small groups. Jim McAllister is one of the elders. He comes and visits. He goes, this is a great idea. Once you become small group deacon and do this for the rest of the church. So I became small group deacon through that. Uh, and then on Sunday morning, because as if you guys were here in the early 90s, we didn't have children's worship. We we're trying to, trying to wrangle four kids through a service. And we decided we really need children's worship. So we started that along with Janet Carruthers and uh, Lori Natterville and some other individuals here. And so... Uh, <laughs> right. 
Uh, here's a picture of the family. Uh, so by the, by the time we leave Otter Creek, uh, we're, we have all four of our kids. Uh, this is the most recent picture. Of, uh, Blake, obviously, is in the middle. It's my second oldest getting married in St. Lucia. Uh, church journey. Uh, we leave in 97 a church plant with Bobby Harrington, Jim and Ginger McAllister, Phil and Karen Gibbs, uh, Harpeth Community Church. Uh, so church plant, 25 of us left. Uh, by the time we, Jay and I came, left there in 2008, we were up around 500. Uh, we'd build a building. It constantly moved south. We started out close to Brentwood, and by the time in 2008, our kids were the only Brentwood kids in it. So we decided it's time to come back this direction. I was an elder there from 02 to uh, 08. While we're there, we meet our fifth child. Uh, this is James Wynn. He is a lost boy from Sudan. Uh, he was in the air coming from Sudan, the United States, on 9-11-01. Got his plane turned around in the middle of the Atlantic. Uh, he, uh, the Lost Boys were, he basically at age four, uh, Civil War, spent tw almost 16 years camp to camp to camp. Uh, the United States agreed to take eight of them, uh, well, like 8,000 of them. Uh, we were supposed to have what community, uh, Harpeth, we were supposed to have, what, one? And, and eight of them walked off the airplane. So James is the one that we ended up uh, getting the most close to. Uh, he, those are all five of his kids. Uh, he currently lives in Iowa. If you enjoy Joss, Johnsonville Franks, he probably killed the pig. Uh, they, they are, in, in Sudan, they are ranchers. Uh, they raise cows. And so, uh, he got a job with Johnsonville, and he slaughters pigs for a living. Uh, so any Johnsonville sausage you have comes to that plant in, in Iowa. And so he currently, that's, their, that's probably, what, a year-old picture or something like that? Maybe two years? Yeah. So he has five. Three girls, two boys. Uh, in 08, when we come back, we went to Fellowship Bible Church for six years. Uh, what draws us there, they had great small groups and they have very they they do great bible-based teaching uh just down the road uh while i was there i did several trips to peru i had one trip to haiti uh 2010 earthquake uh in 2014 we come back to otter creek uh, by then otter creek is here two services uh since there i've been an mcc member teach bible classes but on the 2029 committee and for the last four weeks, I've been an elder. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I've affected a lot of change in the last four weeks. Not. <laughs> All I've managed to do so far is get my, uh, get my email set up. So if you email Jeff at autocreek.org, it'll come to me. Uh, my service. Uh, service is important in our family. Uh, I started in uh, Health Science International in 1992. Met the Shermans. I got off the airplane, uh, they changed the air flight, so I was the only, I'm trying to find everyone on the trip with me, the first flight, I'm flying down 1992. This is pre-internet, they had changed the flight for everyone else but me. So when I get off, I meet Steve Sherman, who's waiting for me. I hear, Jeff, Jeff, I'm looking around, I don't know anyone at Guatemala Airport. And Steve is standing there and I said, Jeff Benny, yes. And so I went to Steve and Maga's house that night and then drove out to the coast the next day. 
and we've known them since 1992. Uh, I was on the original board of Healing Hands International, uh, and then uh, been involved in Peru uh, from 08 to 12, trying to set up a medical ministry there, made multiple trips. Uh, I went to Haiti in 2010 during the earthquake, did not want to go to the earthquake, that's not my job. I set up long-term healthcare systems, I don't do emergency care. Uh, the Holy Spirit said elsewise. Uh, got a phone call, hey, we need an anesthesiologist. I said, you know, I don't do that. I don't have the time off, yada, yada, yada. I called one of my retired partners. He goes, he answers the phone with, you want to go to Haiti, don't you? Uh, I said, I guess so. He goes, all right. He goes, yeah, I'll work for you for a week. Sure, I'll go to Haiti. Uh, I said, I'm an anesthesiologist. I need equipment. One of my partners has an anesthesia machine boxed up in the warehouse, ready to ship. Uh, I said, all right. Uh, how am I going to get it down there? It weighs 1,000 pounds. Uh, another friend of ours goes, oh, I've got a 737. I'm making flights for the U.S. government. We'll just throw it in the baggage claim. We'll get it down there, no problem. Uh, so, uh, ended up, and then one of my other partners goes, oh, if you're going, I'll go with you. I was a little anxious going by myself, but he went with us, so we went to Haiti. How many months or days? Since uh, six days post. Uh, so we set up a hospital, uh, and it's like I, I set stuff up. That's what I do. And so there was a brand new hospital that had never been occupied, uh, and so we set that hospital up as a hospital, and ended surgery and you know some things while we were there. Uh, it's just the whole thing that you know, it, literally everything that week was like, you know, oh we've got a thousand pound thing on an airplane. How do you get it off an airplane? Well, the Marines were there. They go, well, we've got a forklift. Well, how are you going to get it eight miles from the airport? to my hospital. Oh, hang on, let me make a phone call. Oh, the, the Canadians have a helicopter. Uh, okay, we're gonna helicopter you. All right, it's on the roof of a hospital. How am I gonna get off the roof of the hospital? Company of the 82nd Airborne comes by and says, we're putting troops here. Says, do you need anything done? I go, yeah, now that you mention it, I've got a 800 pound anesthesia machine coming in by air. It's gonna land on the, on the roof. I don't know how to get it off. First sergeant says, I know who can help you. He gets the six weightlifters in his company and says, do whatever this guy tells you. We go up to the roof. Uh, I said, this is 800 pounds. It's heavy. And they look at me and go, it's only 800 pounds? Uh, true soldiers. Uh, got it down, got it set up, no problem. The whole week was like that. Uh, the, the worst thing was I was supposed to fly home on the Costco jet, and I missed the Costco jet. Uh, so, and then uh, Chikandi Health, 2009 to present. Chikandi is a, um, a ministry of, of Otter Creek. It is a hospital in Africa uh, that we were, it's one of those Holy Spirit things. Friend of a friend said I need help, so I flew to Africa, set up a, helped set up the hospital, set up a plan, uh, and then uh, inpatient, Outpatients, then inpatient, we need surgery, let's set up surgery, we've now done surgery. Uh, we now see about 40,000 patients a year uh, in a place that has a 40% mortality from birth to age five. Uh, so we're working hard to reduce that. Uh, and that's a, a ministry of uh, Otter Creek. What, uh, what country? It's in Malawi. Uh, there's, pic there's a picture of me, my mom, and my third daughter in Guatemala, which is, that's Clinic Ezel. The Shermans will know well. A lot of people have been there. Uh, in fact, uh, this morning, uh, 
had an email, there's a surgery team on the way down and had to stop because of roadblocks. They're having election issues. Uh, they had to go back to the hotel at 2 a.m. They went down and finally got to the surgery trip uh, today. There's Jane and I in Africa. Uh, for those of you who don't know how big Africa is, uh, this is my favorite slide. That is the United States right there. Uh, this is China. The, Africa is an enormous continent. Uh, Malawi is down there right above the word that says China. Uh, that's where Malawi sits. Uh, Made in the Streets is uh, right here about where it says India. Uh, exile works in this area here. People always say, while you're going over there, can you stop by and see my friends? Uh, Malawi to uh, Kenya is a four-hour flight. It's not like I'm just stopping by. Uh, what city do you fly in and out of Malawi? Where's the airport? The long way. There's only one airport. Well, there's, there's there, Blantyre, but... Yeah, exactly. That's why I asked which city. But you have to go to the long way to get to Blantyre. Uh, the, the airplane's like a bus. It just stops on the way up. Uh, so uh, we, we've been involved there since 2019. So still involved with Health Talents, uh, a big uh, mature ministry. Sees also about 40,000 patients a year. Chikandi's a, a started from zero. Well, we're now 10 years in. Uh, we, like I said, we see about 40,000 patients. Uh, we use village-based clinics. Uh, we're trying to establish, we're trying to, to get an African surgeon so they can do surgery when we're not there. Uh, we partner with uh, uh, Living Water and they've drilled wells for us. We partner with the Peugeot Center at Lipscomb who has done uh, Lipscomb, uh, uh, solar. So the hospital is semi-solar powered. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, electricity in Africa is a little suspect. It goes off routinely. So we've got solar cells that allow us to run, uh, as long as the generator, to run the hospital when the electricity goes off. You mentioned mortality. What's the leading cause of death in, uh, in that age group? Oh, uh, malaria. Uh, uh, Malawi has a 65% malaria rate per year. 65% of the people in, Mal in, Mal in Malawi get malaria every year. If you're two years old, you get malaria, it's bad because you have malnutrition, you have problems with water, uh, and then you get malaria. Hence the, uh, there's huge variance in malaria in Malawi between urban and rural areas. Uh, urban, urban Africa is very much like the United States. We've got grocery stores, uh, there's a Walmart there. Uh, you can go around and do stuff. Uh, you get five miles out of town, people have no electricity, they're living in brick huts, and there's one well somewhere that they're walking to get water from. So you, it's a very uh, jarring, discordant uh, experience. And uh, pictures. this is a picture of the first or second surgeon, surgery I ever did at Blessings Hospital. There's the front of Blessings. Uh, this little girl, her mom, uh, I know she's upper class because she actually has a church dress. Her mom brought her her best dress when she's come to the hospital for surgery. So we made sure we did not get the dress, the, the dress messy when we did surgery. I think she had a hernia or something. Uh, but yeah, mom just said, go with this guy. Didn't speak English. Told him in Chewa, just go with this guy. And so she held my hand and we just walked into the OR. 
that's the front of Blessings. Uh, this is one of my favorite pictures. This is baby Jeffrey. Uh, he's the only Jeffrey in Malawi that I know of. Uh, his mom was having him. She was third or fourth baby. Uh, we were not supposed to be there. We were supposed to have already been gone. We're still there. Uh, he comes out. He is not. He is doing very poorly. And so they did, we resuscitate him, which is like routine for us in the United States. They don't do that in Africa. They don't teach it. They don't understand it. So I resuscitated him. And so his, the dad came to people out in the hallway and said, what is that doctor's name? Jeffrey. So this is baby Jeffrey. So uh, he's, I think, this is a picture a few years ago. I think he's in first grade now. But uh, yeah, but he's got, he, he also put on his Batman outfit so he can come to see us, his good outfit. Uh, strike, strike one for the mortality rate. Right, so one less. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, Jane will tell you, every time we go there, we probably have a under two-year-old death in the one week we're there from sepsis, malaria, cholera, uh, you know, pick, 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 your, pick your tropical disease. All curable diseases. Yes. Uh, I mean, wa water's number one, which is why living water works there. Uh, and then having basic, basic health care. You know, just be able to see a doctor on a, or, or NP or PA on a routine basis uh, would save uh, dramatic thousands of thousands of lives. And so that's what we do is we, we have routine clinics they can go to. So you don't wait till they're almost dead before you come to the hospital. We're All gonna right. make Jeff our lead anointing elder within uh, the eldership. Yeah. All right, so that's, that's my story. Four, four kids, lots of daughters-in-law. Uh, been to Africa, been to Guatemala. Still, still practicing. Still practice three days a week. I also teach at Lipscomb on Thursdays, uh, teaching the Masters of Perfusion Science, which is Perfusionist ECMO. Uh, I teach pharmacology and physiology for them, which is stuff I do every day, so it's not, it's not a hard teach. It's like literally doing what I do every day. It's one of those, and they pay me money for doing this. Uh, any other questions? All right. Thank you for serving as Shepherd Jeff. Sure.